We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, your Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me, Mr. Sean Cunningham from ABC 10. What's going on, Sean? Oh, not much. I feel, uh, they always say after a birthday, you're supposed to feel like a year older. I don't. I actually feel probably a few years younger after uh, a couple of days of I've had. But uh, no, I'm feeling good. Looking forward to talking about this shorthanded, resilient Kings team. Yeah, shorthanded, resilient. Uh, number one, happy birthday. That, that you, was buddy. yesterday. Uh, happy birthday. I also... Uh, was part of the uh the, the grand scheme to embarrass you on a during during the broad uh the middle of the game we had you on the big board at golden one center on sunday you know what's funny about that i was in the media room which i didn't anticipate going down there at that time because i literally told you i was like hey do you need anything because like, i was gonna go down i was like i was like no i don't think i'm gonna go down to the media room. i'm just gonna take a walk and i ended up going to the media room and sure enough i hear this commotion and everyone's like oh happy birthday sean happy birthday and i'm like something happened what happened what what just happened and then they're like oh they just showed you on the big board and i'm like oh no <laughs> because i when i get to the here when they when they said they showed you i'm like oh now i'm great it's gonna be tasteful dudes tasteful yeah. dudes <laughs> tasteful <laughs> elegant <laughs> no because like i there's this joke around people that i know that they like to share uh, a picture that i I, I took a selfie with Chris Martin of Coldplay, and I know it sounds like I'm name dropping because I am, but I did it at the uh, at the Super Bowl press conference, and I had to do it in such a way. And since we are on on YouTube, I can kind of show this, but it was like in a moment of like, like they're they're like my favorite band. So like, he's coming by, and he met this 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 woman, and then all of a sudden he's right there. I was like, I was like, hey man, take our picture. He goes, yeah man, make it quick, like in his like English accent, and I'm like, great. Let me pull out myself myself my camera phone and try and make this happen much like the paris hilton one where you can yep. see where it's a struggle bus moment and here i got to do it with chris martin and i'm holding up my phone in the, such a way and i like bit my lower lip like 
like this because I tend to do that when I'm nervous and I took the picture that way so everyone's like oh are you biting your lower lip like in Chris so I thought they were going to show the you were going to show the Chris Martin selfie up there but fortunately no it was me holding the Larry O'Brien trophy ever so lovingly <laughs> yeah um I when I sent that in I I, I hit Moak up and uh Scott Moak said well you got to give me an embarrassing picture and I, I sent him the, the picture from last week's podcast where, you know, I'm wearing a Santa hat and you're laughing, uh, which I thought was a good picture. And he's like, yeah, that's not enough. And so <laughs> uh, I'm going through my phone and I have this picture of Sean in LA. Uh, we went to, what's that donut shop? Oh yeah. Randy's donuts. Randy's donut. And I got you like holding with your hands up, holding the donut, but it's just so dark and like right. and grainy. And so I, I, I did, of course, I have pictures of you and Lena holding the, uh, the NBA championship trophy, Larry O'Brien trophy, uh, when we were in LA for some, uh, we were there for, it was finals, right? Actually, that was, uh, that was in San Francisco. San Francisco. Did, yeah, 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 we did for the finals and they had the media hotel like in San Francisco with the, you know, the everything media was party in Oakland. Yeah, it was, a, it was, a, it was a good time. And it's funny because it reminded me that you have, my like my Twitter profile picture, uh, I believe I still yeah from La Jolla Cove. You took that picture of me when it took us like fifteen to twenty minutes, and I'm probably under understating that a little bit. It took me forever to get this stupid stand up right for my look live from the Cove during King's training camp. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, we we're like you were trying to shoot it out with the the Cove in the background. Yeah, the lighting had to be right. I had to get the timing right, and I kept effing it up and uh yeah it was it was it was a struggle but i I also have to say so thank you for taking that video because i did miss it uh but to show it on the big board i it reminded me i wanted to tell you and i think you're you're the people who listen and watch this podcast would probably agree that when i went to go tag you and put it on instagram james ham sir you have not been on your insta game we got to step that up oh no I'm not a I'm not a gram guy. Yeah. You are though. You I went I did a deep dive on uh on your You're Instagram. cyberstalking me. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm in an episode of you. Yeah, I did. I was going <laughs> through your uh your IG and you have some great moments, some great images, and I like the collages you do for your travels. Uh, you guys have been all over the world, you and your you know lovely family. So yeah, I think you should definitely step up that. Bring the Instagram game back. Even look, Instagram is harder for people who look like you and I to get a big fall. <laughs> so, so don't, you know, we're not IG models so that, you know, far from it. I mean, speak for my, I'll speak for myself maybe then. Mark Jones <laughs> dropped a, like a, an IG gram. Did you hear his, uh, what would he say? Yeah, but he I wouldn't took, be able to quote it accurately. I think he said he took more steps than an IG model. And I was like, or oh, traveled more than something. It was, yeah. Oh yeah. More. Yeah. It was, but, it was, on the the Bryn Forbes uh, travel, right? Is that what yeah, it was? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah, yes. we took like 14 steps. It was like, whoa, like that's crazy. But anyway, um, I mean, I know you like taking, you know, you take photography, you do like some good photography and there's a, you go down there and you can really see uh, a lot of, like I end up, I've posted a lot of stuff on Instagram over the years, but uh, going back, it's like, there's a lot of stuff from over the George Carl years. And, you know, it'd be good to see that, uh, revive. Cause I don't think you posted in about a year and a half or two years. So, yeah, I don't think I've posted since Europe. Uh, um, right. yeah. Like I did a lot of collages when we were in Europe and, and I had a good time with that. I, you know, like I fans should know that uh, this is a good point to say this. Like I have a, a journalistic Facebook page 
And a lot of fans try to friend me on my personal Facebook page. And it's nothing against anyone specific. I just don't, I don't allow people that I don't know. Uh, so what I do is when someone asks me and if I'm like, oh, do I remember them from high school or not? Who is this person? I right. go and I look and it's like, hey, if you're friends with, you know, six different people that cover the Kings, then I'm, I'm not going to do it because that's just, that's not what I do. Uh, my, my personal stuff is usually, so I, I try to separate like church and state. And, and I don't want my, <laughs> my kids to be part of something and, you know, because there Makes are, sense, yeah. yeah, there are on occasion, there are some like weird people that we, that we run into in this business. And so you don't want, I, I don't want that. So, but I've already put so much out there on Instagram that I probably should just like give in and do it. So, yeah. all right, Sean, fine. I'll try to work yeah. the, the Instagram, the, the Kings beat into Instagram and, and kind of do it. Uh, you caved, which, you caved. I caved. There it is. Okay. Which brings me, Hey, look, if you have not subscribed to the King's beat, you need to do it now because I'm going to have some sort of cutoff date here. Uh, but we have the second King's beat off the record uh, happy hour. And, and the first one was a hoot. It was a lot of fun and a lot of people enjoyed that. And I, I want you to be uh, invited to that. And the only way you can get invite is to be a, premium subscriber to the King's Beat, which is not all that. It's like $7 a month or $75 for a year. I know it's Christmas time, but look, uh, jump on board. We're doing fun stuff. We're doing amazing stuff like the podcast. This is only going to get better so people know we're only going to keep adding layers to what we're doing, especially on the podcast. Uh, we're, we've got some new stuff coming in the coming days. Uh, it's just it the, uh, the COVID outbreak with Sacramento Kings slowed a lot of things down because I had some meetings scheduled and then games and well, shoot arounds and stuff like that. Practice are home for the holidays and things get in the way. Real life gets in the way. Yeah. But the good thing is the, the good thing is it's like, it is the season of giving. So put it on your holiday wish list. Yeah, there it is. So um, yeah, we're going to do some cool stuff. So you're going to get a much better, like we'll add graphics and we'll do some other stuff that that's coming, which I think is going to be exciting for a lot of the people who follow the King's Beat. Um, Sean, let's get into it. Uh, the Kings have a COVID problem. They do. So does the world, by the way. <laughs> so does the world. Um, we we talked a little bit about this last week on last week's pod because we were waiting for more and more people to come out. Um, I wrote about it on Sunday, my Sunday musings, because I think it's it's like really the craziest thing. Um, again, before uh, we started, I just had a heating and air guy come. Uh, to my house because my heater wasn't working upstairs. It took him like 20 minutes to figure it out. It was, it was something stupid, which I would have got to, but the guy came way quicker than I thought. Um, and the reason I bring it up is because as he was walking out the door, he asked if I was still doing King stuff. I said, yes. Um, and, and then we started talking about the COVID situation with the Kings. And uh, I, I think there are a lot of people out there that are still confused by a lot of this, but um, you know, do, do some research for yourself. Uh, don't, send me like far alt-right um, propagandist like research, uh, actually do some research on the COVID stuff. And uh, like, I'm just going to say, I don't know how the NBA is handling the way they're handling it right now. Adam Silver just said, like, I don't know, is it 15, 20 minutes ago, uh, we're recording this. Uh, it's a little before one o'clock on Thursday. Um, Adam Silver went on ESPN and basically- on Tuesday. On Tuesday. Sorry, Sorry, I don't even know what day of the week it is. 
Yeah. Um, but Adam Silver went on to say, hey, look, the basically what Ty Halliburton said, the show must go on. We must keep playing. And I, I don't know what they're thinking their watered down product is going to look like on Christmas Day with like 14 G League players facing off against each other. But Sean, this is an issue. And it's an issue with so many different layers because it's not just about the players. It's not just about one team. The Kings went from Charlotte where they likely picked up the virus. They went to Cleveland, played against the Cavs. They went to Toronto. Uh, then they came home and played the Washington Wizards. Uh, Cleveland is now in a full-blown, everyone's got it. Uh, now, here we are a couple of days later, and heaven forbid, Toronto is in a full-blown where their plane is waiting on a tarmac to see if they can get six players and like seven additional G League players to get on a plane to get out of Canada. You're, and- really, you're, you're legitimately seeing high-level NBA reporters saying like the, the plane is taxiing. The like plane these, is taxiing. These are like the, these are the types of reports that are coming out right now. Like this isn't somebody signing with the team or someone got fired or, you know, a rumor out there. It's like, no, we're, we're giving plane updates for a team that's going to go play the bulls. Like who's already in a COVID outbreak right. and some of them are coming back. And then like, look, we saw the first drop today. I told, I said it on D'Lo and KC. I've said it here. The Washington Wizards are next. And KCP tested positive or entered uh, health and safety protocols this morning. Just wait for the landslide. It's coming. And mm-hmm. so we have that issue. But I'll also tell you that there are staff members with the Sacramento Kings that also have it. We talked about this a little bit. We're not going to name names. We're not going to out guys that. Uh, that may or may not be sick, guys and girls. I don't know who it is behind the scenes. I know a couple, but I'm not going to get into who it is. Some of them are suffering. Some of them are not okay. They are struggling. They are not asymptomatic. And we shouldn't just blow it off and say, "Uh, they're 19 to 38 years old. They're all going to be just fine. And, And so that's where we're kind of at Sean. Uh, they signed Addie Murky this morning. Um, well, they they plan to sign Addie Murky, and then there's going to be more, right? Yeah, it'll it'll become official today. There won't be any other. There shouldn't be any other official signings today. You might get you know news of one maybe later this evening, but I think it's going to be relatively quiet. But I think we'll hear one you know before Wednesday's game. I don't know if that player or two would be available for Wednesday's game, but. Um, yeah, there's certainly, there's certainly some movement that's going to take place and it's very fluid. I mean, I think they're trying to get, you heard, you you mentioned the Adam Silver thing and there was talk about trying to speed up asymptomatic players, which I'm like, is this what we're, is this what it's coming to? Like, I don't have the answer, James, and I don't want to sit there. Look, I get uncomfortable even around vaccination stuff. Like I always say is, Hey, protect people, protect your people, protect yourself. If someone doesn't want to get it look that that's on you i i disagree i prefer i would disagree in that way but uh i i don't admonish those like i'm just you know hey do what you do you know and 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 it, and it does you know i have some strong feelings about it but i just don't really share a lot of them you know and it's it's yeah go go ahead and do what you do you know but but at the end of the day it's like you just look at numbers and I know in basketball, we're always looking at statistics and sports and analytics and what have you. 
and some would argue that those are bad for the game, but you just look at sheer numbers and you just looked at, you just look at people who haven't protected themselves. And then you look at the ones that do, and then, you know, go ahead, go test, go test whatever fate you want to do. And there's some people that make it all about themselves and not the others around them and people who are more susceptible. And I get it, but these are real world problems. And I do credit the NBA for being 97% vaccinated. Good for you guys. And you've got Mm -hmm. 60 something percent that have been boosted and, you know, good for those guys as well. But we know that there's a lot of people that, that aren't going to do it. Um, and the NFL has probably a bigger problem. Uh, and not to compare the sports, but, you know, it, it, much like the rest of the world, and I think Adam Silver is aware of this, it's like shutting down the league, postponing games. He mentioned it today. He says, we have to learn how to live with this virus. Like, you know, I think people look at professional sports and if they see these things shut down, there's a trickle down effect to that economically. Like what is the restaurants and bar industry going to do? What is other concerts, you know, what are venues going to do? Right. Yeah. What does this look like? And I, and nobody wants to see another shutdown. And you look at Britain who's looking at a possible shutdown and what does this look like around Christmas time? And um, yeah, it's, it's scary, man. It's scary. It's, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, The good news is the majority of people are, uh, pretty okay and there's a lot of players that are vaccinated that have it and they're asymptomatically except there are people who are really going through it and having some tough times so i don't know what the right answer is there but i don't i i get it i i just you know i look back and i just kind of shake my head and i just go i'm just glad i'm not one of these people that have to make the decisions yeah no i i fully get that i fully get it and you know again I, we talked about this a little bit last week my concern is like christmas is this, this coming weekend i mean and, and this huge outbreak and it just happens to come like 10 to 14 days after Thanksgiving when a bunch of new people get together. And, you know, I, I'll take another step forward. Like just because the players aren't getting sick and they're, or they're not being hospitalized, it doesn't mean that all the fans in the stands who are now around new people and are in, are sharing a bubble now that they're not going to have some, negative effects and that they're not going to even if they're all vaccinated or they all tested negative it doesn't mean that they're not going to get it in a building and then take it home to their family members that aren't vaccinated this weekend and so like there is a a level of safety that we have to we have to control here and you know and i guess you're right everyone gets to make their own decision um and and is someone who his wife works for a major health provider like I know the numbers as well as anybody. So you don't need to feed me some, something that, you know, somebody's opinion on, on the, the death toll or someone's opinion on uh, vaccination rates or, or who's in the hospital hospitalization rates. I got the numbers. I got them. Like I, I know more numbers than your normal person because I can see it firsthand. And I can tell you that at like the big outbreak in August, 98% of the people that were hospitalized were unvaccinated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, and you know, not to get too much down the rabbit hole, but it's like, you know, things around the people who decide not to protect themselves or for whatever reason, you know, it's like, you're free to do make that decision, but then there becomes consequences for it. Just like, you know, James, you could, you could walk out to any street corner and yell whatever words you want. Um, there are ramifications if you get your ass beat, right? Like the, you, that, that, that may happen, it may happen. There's ramifications that come with such actions. So there's ramifications um, with tweeting a response to DeMarcus yeah, Cousins. Yeah. Like, like 
like yeah, with there. great with great freedom comes great responsibility so there it is yeah <laughs> next we're going to deep dive into the new spider-man movie Uh-oh. no no i'm just kidding <laughs> Um, is right, it so, bad by the way is it bad by the way and I, I already probably know the answer to this but like i have like this fatigue over spider excuse me not spider-man but just comic book movies in general like i got, I low I got key boys felt, man i know but there's so many there's so many comic book movies that i'm i don't even know where to begin like i was like oh are you gonna see spider-man i go i haven't seen spider-man since jamie fox was a villain and that one was so bad so i i don't know i i guess i gotta see this one though yeah, it's good. Uh, I enjoyed it. Me and the family went uh, on Saturday. Doug Christie yeah. loved it. Yeah, Doug Christie loved it. He tried to 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 be a spoiler. Um, you know what, Sean? Let's let's just go there since since we we need to shift gears and we're gonna yeah. shift gears right here. Um, Doug Christie. <laughs> Love him, is, hate him. Your he thoughts. is two and two. Yeah, Doug Christie. <laughs> is it all his fault? Uh, no. Um, he's two and two, and. I think we're seeing something interesting. The players are playing really hard. We're having a battle between uh, Doug Christie is trying to coach a team, A, without Alvin Gentry, B, without Mike Longombardi, uh, C, without Rashawn Holmes, and D, without six other players because of COVID. He's in the middle of an outbreak. And then now we're adding a seventh uh, on Tuesday with Nimiya's Keda. Uh, I, to me... Like, and again, like take it for what it's worth because I am, I am friends with Doug, but I I think all that we wanted to see from this stretch was somehow hold something together and just make it positive so we can get through it. Because when you got six players going down, you should lose almost every game. And that's what we just kind of assumed. Like the win loss record doesn't matter at this point. And Doug doesn't have an official win loss record because he's an acting coach. He's not a official head coach. All of these wins and losses go on Alvin Gentry's interim tag, (laughs) uh, which is, so we have the, the acting to the interim head coach, Doug Christie. I think it's been good. And, And I think that the, the person who Doug is the positive vibe that he brings to the media room, it is helping get through this. I think that that might be an issue on a full-time basis down the road. If that's who he is and what he is like, he's going to have to be a little tougher, but for right now, I think it might be the right guy at the right time. And somehow he's finding a way to get something out of these players and get wins here and there. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's a lot to unpack too. Cause I think what Doug has the, um, he has the advantage over Alvin in this regard because there's so many players out, it really creates a opportunity for so many other guys that can both be a blessing and a curse. And I think you see it some nights where, you know, you're playing with a roster that oftentimes doesn't play together, but the opposition has no idea who these guys are. You know, there's not like there's a scouting report on a lot of these Stockton guys who are coming up. Or Damian Jones. Damian Jones, who can go out there and play like, garbage and then all of a sudden have a career night the next night and then go out there and play like garbage again against his former Warriors team you know so it's like um there's such an inconsistency but I think you see a it's refreshing in the sense because it is something different and and I think the tough part is where it really comes down to guys like Buddy and Harrison and Ty who all of a sudden are asked to do a lot more than like think of I'm really 
really feeling for Harrison Barnes, who's coming off this foot sprain, took his time to come back, and in hindsight was a brilliant move because not that you could ever anticipate such a thing, but this guy's going to have to go out there and all of a sudden play 40 minutes a night. And when you think about, James, the three games in four nights, right? Yeah. I mean, bro. And then you look at now you're going to get three days off at the end of this week. You know, you'll be off for Christmas. You're not going to play again until Sunday after the Wednesday game. That's great. But then look what's on the horizon. It's like five games in seven nights. And it might even be a smaller, I think it's four and six. So it's. Well, we're, we're in the middle of four and six. Doug has coached four and six. Yeah. Yeah. We just got to the end of four and six. Just, yeah. And then you have another one that's coming up and, and you kind of bringing it back to the whole COVID thing. Like it presents opportunities. I think guys are energized because of it. You know, they're asked, like, I know there was a big discussion, even though I wasn't working last night, I did go back and listen to your, the media sessions and uh, you know, everyone's kind of focusing on, Tyrese Halliburton kind of being the guy playing like the main guy. Mm -hmm. And I think he had some interesting things to say there, but going up against a team like the Spurs uh, and then the Warriors and then just the, the everything that happened in that. And then you're playing with guys that you're a little bit unfamiliar. Yes. They have a training camp together. Yes. They have some moments together, but there hasn't been a lot of practice time. And all of a sudden you don't have a De'Aaron Fox. You don't have a Marvin Bagley. Who's now back in the lineup. You don't have Alex Lynn that you can just, you know, rely upon a little bit more. Uh, in certain in certain cases, especially against a lot of bigs in this league. And now you're playing with these lineups that you probably wouldn't do. And then Doug comes in and he's like, hey, throw it out the window. We're going to play big. We're going to go long. We're going to we're going to put long lineups out there um, and, and just see what it looks like. This three guard lineup, we're going to we're going to go with it a little bit, but then we're just going to throw it out the window and we're just going to go big. So, well, he had to. He lost to. all of his guards. Yeah, all <laughs> of them are gone. And he had to bring Justin Robinson off the street, who you know, unfortunately for, I still don't think he's made it. No, he did make a shot late last night, but he, he was like, Oh, for the world. Uh, you know, and it's an, it's a really, you know, it, it's crazy. Cause I think about so many of these guys who are going to get their NBA dream. And then like, what does it do for the confidence? Like they're coming in and some guys can take it, but then you look at like something like Justin who really hasn't played well uh, in the small moments that he's had. And he's asked to, you know, as you like to use a term, hold the rope and uh you know, it doesn't look great. And then it's like, okay, great. Well, there was your NBA dream and you had 10 days and yeah, you got to play some games and you can still get to, you're still in the league. Like you're not going to take it. You're not going to like shy away from it, but it's just like, man, that that's gotta be a tough thing. Yeah. So, so again, we'll, we'll just go back, back and forth unpacking like multiple things. I think the interesting thing, uh, we're going to get to tie here in just a sec, but one of the more interesting things was what Doug said following the game about, like they threw a box and one at, mm -hmm. uh, at Ty. And, um, I and think, it, and it worked. <laughs> yeah, it worked. Well, the thing that Doug said was like, number one is ultimate sign of respect, uh, that that's what they were doing. And, and I thought, okay, well that's fine. But the other thing Doug said is like, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take this one because I don't have all of the, the game plan in place to make an adjustment for that. Now, Ty could have made an adjustment himself. He could have pulled the team aside and said, hey, or Harrison could have said, hey, maybe we should do this against the box and one. Someone needed to step up and say, hey, we got to do something different. But I think that's the problem that people aren't getting. It's that like all the rush to get Doug, the head coaching job, he doesn't have just like an unlimited like 
file folder in his head of, oh, they hit us with a box and one. Let me open that box and let me scroll through and let me choose four plays and I'm going to run those four plays and we'll get to the box and one. He prepped for specific things. That wasn't one of them. And he's only been on the job. I don't know. What are the Kings now? They're 14 and 19, 14 and 25. Yeah, that sounds right. Around there. So he's been on an NBA bench for like 30 something games. Before that, he was in a booth. He was in, you know, and before that, he wasn't around basketball hardly at all, except for training some guys. We're talking about 14 years since he's been in the league and the changes in the league between that time and today are, are nuts. I mean, again, just look at Steph Curry as like how different the league is from when Doug played to how it is now. Steph is drafted in what the 09 draft. Doug stopped playing during the 06, 07 season. Steph now has so many more three pointers in that time than anyone has ever had. I mean, it, it's something crazy. The like, leader. Yep. He's the all time leader, but he's done it in like 700 and something games mm-hmm. versus 1300 for, for uh, Ray Allen. And so like the game has shifted, it's changed so much that, yeah, like Doug is preparing and he's doing the best he can to get into a game and coach it. But he also doesn't have like a seasoned guy standing there next to him and saying, Hey, Let's try this, this, and this. This is what I would do in that situation. And that's the problem. Again, you take away Mike Longabardi, you take away uh, Alvin Gentry, and then you realize that the Kings were already down an assistant because Alvin stepped into the role that uh, that was Luke Walton's. And it's some pretty bare-bones stuff going on. And, and so there's going to be some mistakes made on the coaching side. There's going to be moments where Like, I think at one point in the Spurs game in the third quarter, he forgot to put a point guard on the floor. Like he, (laughs) he, like Harrison, Harrison Barnes was like, oh, I guess it's me. Like taking the ball. By way way of just by way of default without having all these guards. And I was thinking about that too, James, like think about Doug and you know, he wants to be a head coach. Yeah. And in back-to-back games, like we talk about this all the time with like, Davion Mitchell and Tyrese Halliburton, these young guards in the league, you're going to go from Damian Lillard one night to Steph Curry, the next to Russell Westbrook, the next, like all the guards are heavy, right? Hey, Doug, go coach against Greg Popovich one night and Steve Kerr the next. And I know that's just the league, but like. It's a PhD that was a, level of education <laughs> needed. Right. You need two, a PhD. And these are two of the last, like, like Steve Kerr's taking over now, like even take it to a broader sense. It's like Steve Kerr's the new USA basketball coach, Greg yep. Popovich just took over for coach K just a few years ago, coaching the Olympics. Like these guys are, you know, these guys are revered and incredible. And what are they championships? How many, like eight championships between the two of them? But then you get Doug who's on a depleted team and he goes out there and then look, I know the Spurs aren't, you know, among the elite teams in the league right now, but you go out and get a win against pop like that's, and then you're, you're coaching a team that's depleted again the next night playing third game in four nights against a Warriors team that's easily the elite of the league, like maybe in the yeah. top three to, of the of the league and probably the best team in the league. And probably has the best player playing right now in the league. On the planet. I think he's the best player on the planet right now. I mean, yeah. you, could, you could argue Kevin Durant, and I know Nikola Jokic, and with all due respect to them, and Giannis. And, I mean, and Giannis, yeah. But the way Steph is playing, it's... That's the discussion right now. And, if, and even if you just want to say who's been the best player over the past 30 days, it's Steph. To me, it's completely Steph. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and now you got to go play against that. Now, look, you were in that game. I mean, it felt like that game was a five, six point, basically a two possession game from the majority of the game. Yeah. And you're in it. And then, and you could say that maybe the Warriors came in a little light, took them a little bit lightly, 
but on the defensive end, they didn't, they were, I mean, they had eight steals, I think at the half, I think I, I noted like right before yep. halftime. I mean, they were really wreaking havoc on the Kings and you know, you're right, James, there wasn't really the adjustment. They just kind of tried to keep chipping away and, you know, they, they were going to live by the buddy and die by the buddy. They, they were definitely going to try and get Buddy Hield involved. And they were definitely, they, they realized if we're going to win this game, he's going to have to be a big part of it. They tried to get him going and Tyrese had a fabulous game, but it's like, you know, they, they pulled away late as they do. I, I think Harrison made a really good point talking about how the way, you know, they have it down to a three or four point game and all of a sudden they turn around and just make it a 12 point game like that. They, they took the lead. The yeah. took the lead well, in the second half, but it, Harrison was even making the, the argument like in the first half, he's like, we got it to a three point game. And then all of a sudden it's 12 like that. Like it just, it just, the, the, the switch was yeah. flipped really quickly. And then you're right. I remember, you know, cause again, I was in the building and I, I, I wasn't there as a media. I went as a, uh, as a spectator. Cause I had a friend of mine who she's a huge warriors fan. So I had also had a few, but I'm looking at this and I'm just going, how do the Kings have a lead here in the third quarter, third, fourth, whatever it was. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me right now. And they came out of the third quarter. Like how many times have we seen the third quarter just be an absolute letdown for Sacramento. And here yep. you have these guys who are, you know, flying in the face of adversity. And look, it like, I know people don't like to hear moral victories. That was a moral victory to me last night. And I think that was yeah, one that was. they, they should have felt good about it. And I think Doug is a big part of that. Like there's so much talk about his energy, his communication, you see him running, running steps before the game. I and mean, that was kind of cool, but like, this is Doug, you know, Doug, like, I, and I, I've said this even when, when Alvin took over. And I think even when Doug was added to Luke's bench after, you know, think of just all the assistant coach Luke coaches Luke had in his tenure in Sacramento. A lot. These guys, he's in the perfect situation with Luke and Alvin. Like they, they're going to allow him to be Doug. Doug is a quirky dude. He's a quirky guy. He's not the, he's not the buttoned up kind of coach. That, and he maybe he'll be that one day. I hope not because I hope a lot of the, the nuances that make Doug Christie Doug Christie continue to be there. For one, his his absolute sometimes foolishness, optimism, and and positivity. Because I mean that. It's that that's just who he is. I was having we were having a conversation the other day. Someone's like, like, man, that's that's kind of corny, isn't it? It's like, yeah, but that's Doug. Like, Doug's kind of corny. Like, it's, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm kind of corny. Like, we all like it's just how it is. Yeah. You know? He walked into the media, he's walked in the media room the last couple of games and said, what does he say? What's that family? Like, right. right. He knows all of us. All that's of the us. thing. Like, he knows all of us. I've like, known Doug we, for 20 years almost now. And it's like, yeah. you know, it, it like it's just a it's it you know it's like it's like james if you became the head coach of the kings it's like well great i gotta talk to a guy that i know uber well it's happening like yeah here we are you know we're gonna make i'll, I'll be I the gotta, gm we'll just got, give me the gm <laughs> me and doug will run this boy you thought vladi was bad <laughs> uh well they had a better deal two can't, days can't, ago yeah there you go because i can't do worse <laughs> all right so in the midst of the chaos and the games coming at you, boom, boom, boom. And some of those games are coached by coaches like Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich. Uh, Doug also has had to deal with some, some internal strife and it's the internal strife that I think we've all been waiting for. It's Mo Harkless losing it, going bananas on the sidelines in the first quarter and we were sitting there and I go, ooh, what's going on there? 
hey, are you seeing this, Sean? Yeah, thanks for that tip too, by the way. And Sean really goes, whoa, with a camera, like right up, like I got this. And boom, we have this like moment where uh, like I could have recorded some stuff on my phone, but to be honest, what Sean can do with his camera is is absolutely spectacular. You were able to get right in there. And I'll say this before you started rolling and, and people will be able to go and find that yet. Um, I may even link it in the description of the podcast. Um, but uh, before you started rolling, Tyrese Halliburton was part of that as well. He's yelling and screaming at Buddy uh, from the side. He's sitting like two seats down and, and turning and yelling. And Mo's yelling and Buddy's yelling at someone behind him who's trying to like, I don't know what he's trying to do, but he was like, he was upset that he was touching him. Oh, like like yeah, like, like touching me. I, yeah, he just looked, he was like stop talking. He's like stop touching me, bro. And I, like that part, I was able to make out, and I had that part confirmed. But it was like I felt bad. It was Isaac. I feel bad for Isaac, but uh, yeah, it was it was somebody was trying to calm him down, and he's like don't don't touch me, you know. And same thing with Mo. Mo didn't want to be touched. Like it's like leave me alone, kind of a thing. Is he was I thought Mo handled it pretty well. But you're right, and and yeah, Ty was very much a part of that, even though the video doesn't show it. Like. The, the moment when I first like what looked over and saw it I see like Ty like flailing his arms <laughs> in such a way he's yeah. got very long arms so I can see this and uh yeah it, it was uh, fortunate to show that but I think it got some I'm, I, I think it got the right amount of attention but I think what people um were pretty quick to notice which was like okay it's a moment that happened and then all of a sudden the next play out there like once Mo got on the floor for one he was like hell bent on scoring. Um, he was going to take it up hard. He got a three point play, converted the free throw. Uh, but the minute he scored, he looks over buddy and buddy came over, dapped him up. They were good to go. It was like, it never happened. And it's, uh, I, I, I compare it a little bit to sometimes you don't like to see how the sausage is made, but these are like, these are the types of conversations are had oftentimes at, at any points in practices and at any points during games. And sometimes you're not as animated, but I love Mo he lost his composure to a degree, but I felt like he held his composure really well. It was like he had to illustrate a point to Buddy because sometimes I went to Tyrese and whoever, however that went, um, walk away, remove yourself a little bit, keep your, keep your head. And then when other people kind of come up, you kind of see him now venting more at what he's trying to communicate, but through the coaches. And then he sits down, he, he, Talver's head kind of gets it going and it's like take that that moment to breathe deeply and then then it's over then you go and you go play and you use it to your advantage said, I'm over it that's what he kept right. saying I'm yeah, over I'm it done. that's what I it, said it, what it I, looked yeah, like done. yeah he kept saying I'm over it I'm over it and that's what it looked like he was yelling um yeah so I love everything you say I went back and watched like the two minutes three minutes of the end of the first quarter I'm like what was it that set Mo Harkless off yeah, because they had the lead going into that. <laughs> they had a very nice quarter, and they had a lead, yeah. So I didn't go all the way back to the beginning. I'm assuming that Buddy had done a couple of things earlier in the quarter that had got him boiling. But at the, I think his 51, 52-second mark, Buddy had shrunk inside into the key and was out of position. They kicked the ball out to Lonnie Walker. He ran at Lonnie Walker and just flies by. Woo! Like, there he goes. Like, what was that all about? Lonnie Walker puts the ball on the floor, goes right to the rack and shoots it over the top of Mo and other people trying to trying to cut off the in, the straight line drive. Buddy gave up a clear it like straight line drive to the basket and an automatic two points. So I think that is was the final straw. I don't know how many 
how many things had built up before that. Um, but Mo Harkless has played like 60 games with Buddy at this point. It might be 60 game, games of angst built up. And like just this one moment where they were playing tough, physical, in the passing lanes, collapsing the lane. They were doing all of this good stuff. And then you just let the dude walk in. Like mm-hmm. we don't give up easy points in the final two minutes of a quarter. That's not what we we're not good enough to survive that. And so I, I thought that that was brilliant, but then Sean, we get past it. And then buddy, like Mo is aggressive. And then it's almost like it focused buddy. And we got Holy Jesus, buddy in the second half, it, it was, was this moment where it was like, now we're living by the buddy. And I think it's the final three minutes of the third and the fourth quarter, he scored 24 points of his 29. Dude, he was unbelievable. Dude, he hit that half court shot after the buzzer, like right after the hit. <laughs> yes. That's how hot he was. Um, and, and, you know, it's kind of funny because, yeah, I did see some people who were like, oh, Mo Harkless pissed him off and, and this is what it took. And I love the fact that, you know, I remember being, uh, we've seen it several times, but I remember really kind of kind of coming to a head in New York at the Garden and I was at that game and that, you know, Fox had this tremendous game against the Knicks, but he got totally pissed off in that game and then went off and just torched him. You know, had this great, I think you've seen that dunk, that windmill dunk at one point, um, had a great steal late in the game that, you know, the Knicks were just trash though too, but, um, and buddy just right after the game, he's like, I told you, I told you he plays better pissed off. He plays better pissed off. Like he, everyone's always trying to get Fox to get pissed off for him to rise to that occasion that he's so, you know, capable of being, it's just, everyone wants to keep, have him keep his foot on the pedal and, and continue to be that way. But last night was kind of, or excuse me, that, that game against San Antonio was very much a moment where people were kind of making that same conclusion. Oh, but he got pissed off and look at what happened. And it's like, if that's what it takes to get him out of some of these shooting slumps that he's had to where he can just all of a sudden like do it. Someone should just go get in his face every game. And then can, what happens the next night, last night, you know, you have Mo kind of get in his face again, but it was for a different way of communication it wasn't so much of out of anger it was almost like no i'm i'm hey we're gonna do this we're gonna do this and buddy we need you here we need this here and it was like he was almost another coach on the floor at that moment which is hilarious because i think someone pointed out like buddy is like older than mo Harkless. but but mo has an incredible i think mo has an incredible basketball iq a very good feel for the game and i think he wants to see his guys do well and, and i think that one what happened in san francisco last night it late in that game was very much a Mo trying to pull something out of Buddy. Yeah, and, and I'll even say this. I don't think Buddy Heald gets angry, but, but that's not who Buddy is. Cool as I, a cucumber. Yeah, I think what Buddy get, what, what he got there, he he got embarrassed and he took it to heart. And I'll even say this. We don't know what happened in the locker room, but I almost guarantee you that there was more conversation once he got in the locker room at halftime. Like I, I almost, of, the, of the San Antonio game. Yes, of the San Antonio yeah. game where they literally like had a had a moment where I, I know Doug was talking to to Buddy walking off the court, but once they got into the locker room, I guarantee you that there was some clarification on what the frustration was from Mo. Now let's fast forward again. <laughs> we get to the press conference afterwards. Doug does, you know, brothers. You know, it's brothers being brothers, um, you know, th- th- those things happen and that they're communicating and he thinks it's a good thing. Tyrese Halliburton did not take that approach. He he flat out threw some some shade 
He was asked directly about Buddy Heald's exceptional night by Tony Harvey. He was asked about how good Buddy was and how amazing it was to Buddy do his, uh, to do his thing. And Tyrese Halliburton answered with, Mo Harkless was excellent on defense tonight. And that's all I need to know. That's young guys trying to be leaders. But that was a moment where a player said, eh, let's back it up and I'm going to show you which side I'm on. Buddy had a great night and Buddy did Buddy things. Right. But I'm going to get to that after I talk about the exceptional game that Mo Harkless had, where while he scored seven points and the other guy scored 29 points, the guy who scored seven points ran a plus 15 in the plus minus category and was one of the most impactful players on the, on the court without putting up any stats. And what we have here is yin and yang. And that's what I realized when I was writing on Monday about, you know, sometimes brothers fight. Mm -hmm. We have completely different personalities, completely different play styles. We have the long athletic defender, who is nothing but selfless and we have the flashy three-point shooting scorer who is looking for his quite often and these are two diametrically opposed players and people and they they need to figure out how because i think in order for the kings to be good these two players need to complete each other and be on the court (laughs) together because they they can support each other's weaknesses and really you know help like push each other in the right way and I, so I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I, you could call it shade, and I I do remember my eyebrows kind of raising a bit when I heard Tyree say that. But I think what it really comes down to is we've talked so much about holding players accountable, right? Especially among teammates, and I think that was a very subtle but let but also like let me beat you over like it's it's both subtle but so beat you over the head with it because it's it's a yeah like you're here's the media saying asking a question about how buddy got right and you have this moment and it's like well no i'm gonna point out mo to show not only what side i was on to show that he was right and to show that that helped come before buddy getting hot like that's the old, that's what teammates do. That's like, that's what this team has been missing for the greater part of four years is moments like that. Well, you don't, yeah. And, and you don't necessarily need to do it through the media, but it's a double down on what you just did. Right. Like, and again, the, one of the things that Jason Jones and I would always <laughs> kind of laugh about when we would see moments like this, right. There was a moment we saw in practice one time where it's like somebody goes off and, they have a, a disruption and then I, there was one player and I can't remember who it was for the life of me, but he just goes, but guys we're winning, but we're winning. And I, and that's what kind of came to mind seeing Mo blow up in the Spurs game. So it's like, look at the scoreboard. You just had a pretty, pretty good quarter. The, the argument from Mo appears to be bigger than what happened in the, in the, in the totality of the first quarter, having this lead and speaking more volumes to holding somebody accountable. Right. Yeah. And that's, what's so great. Like that's leadership. That is a form of leadership. Now, you don't, you don't have to verbally undress a guy. Like, obviously, you know, it, it can be sometimes a bad Sometimes it's look, needed. Sometimes but some, it's needed. Sometimes you need, look, uh, Steve Kerr breaks whiteboards on occasion, right? Like, he, <laughs> clipboards break. Uh, this, these things happen. So, um, again, do you like to see how the sausage is made? I kind of do, because I like to know 
the ingredients that 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 fuel success or fuel failure. So yeah, I'm, I kind of I kind of enjoy that. But I know for the average fan, they look at oh, Mo Harkless and Buddy Hield, they must hate each other. And it's like no man, it's it's different than that. That's not necessarily what's going on. Yeah, and and I think to be honest with you, having Mo Harkless be the one that that delivered that message, it's a lot more impactful than I think Ty at this point, just because Ty's so young, and so it could be like Buddy be like, eh. But it's also, yeah. you know, as I like to call Tyrese a, a low-key troll, and he did that to his face because of the, you know, the, 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 little, the, little, the little barbs that he'll throw Brendan Nunez' way, even your way at times. Um, yeah. Like, like he, likes, he likes these moments. And that was another moment where he's like, no, I'm going to kind of troll Buddy here. I'm going to kind of troll Buddy here to show that, no, Mo is right. Mo is spectacular, guarding one through four. And, and buddy, yeah, you had a nice fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think it's good stuff. And it leads us to a new segment here on the Kings beat podcast. I don't think I'm going to do the business of basketball. I was, I was waiting for, I was waiting for the sounder. Or the, it's like, not the business of basketball. Oh, <laughs> we're going to do Tuesday over reactions. Okay, good. Cause, well, cause we have a podcast every Tuesday and, uh, there's usually something that we're ready to overreact about and uh, or that the fans are, you know, classically overreacting about. And so this is the inaugural uh, Tuesday overreaction. Sean, Tyree Salaburton, three games in a row, 20 points, 10 assists, 20 plus points, 10 assists. He's showing us the potential that we all know that is there. Uh, both as a scorer and as a setup man. The fact that he doesn't have 11 assists yet is pretty crazy. He had 12 at one point, and then they were taking two away. Yeah, exactly. Um, our our friend Carmichael Dave decided to do uh, some crowdsourcing. And good idea, especially when you do it on Twitter. Always, always such a good idea to crowdsource via Twitter because then it gives the <laughs> franchise just more information to work with. Um, yeah, you probably need to watch the YouTube clip of what I just said there to make sure that you know that that was sarcasm. Uh, he put out a Twitter poll who's better, Tyrese Halliburton or De'Aaron Fox? It's Sean. So dumb. It's, I'm sorry. That's just, I love I'm just going to let you go then. Go ahead. Just go. so dumb. What do we do? And, and if you know Dave, like, like I do, and I know you do, he, Dave is much like I am, although I do this away from social media. I am the biggest instigator you will ever meet in your life next to Carmichael Dave. Like he literally takes this propane mat, propane and match. And he's like, dare you, dare me to just put these two together. Yeah. Like he knows what he's doing. He's being a dick is what he's doing. And it just, it, it's, it worked. I mean, it works. People, people like to do it and it's just so stupid, but go ahead. What's the question? It's the overreaction of the week. <laughs> Carmichael, uh, Dave. I'm so the wrong person for this. Yes, Tyreek, Tyree, Tyreek Evans. Tyrese Halliburton is so much better than De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, the, the thing, what he's, what he's doing is he's taking the fringe fan and, and putting it out there and making it, and then like forcing you to, because there is no option just to see the results. Because I would like to see the results. I mean, it last time I looked, it was like seventeen hundred votes. I'd like to, but I'm not going to vote on that. Um, I I have my personal opinion on who it is, and uh, you know where we're at today. 
is De'Aaron Fox is a is a better player, but where we're at in a couple of years, uh, who knows? Uh, it could be, yeah, it could be Tyree Sevens or Tyree Sevens. My God, Ty- what am I doing? Yeah, uh, lack Tyrese. of sleep. Yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, like, uh, but I, I think the fans need to calm down. They need to calm down. The Dave best, included. <laughs> the, the best version of the Sacramento Kings is Tyrese Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox intertwining to become one of the best backcourts in basketball, and that is a potential outcome here. We don't need to rush to anything. De'Aaron Fox is under contract for, what, five years. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton is under team control for, like, another seven years. I mean, this is – there's no reason to rush to judgment here at all. Let them grow. Let them be together. And I I hate to say that I'm siding with Matt Barnes because this is something Matt Barnes said, I guess, on postgame. But – like, what are we doing here? No, the the best version of the Kings is for these two to figure out how to be dynamic together. And there shouldn't be who's better. They're all teammates. And, you know, at this point, I don't know if you can tell me who the best player is on the Kings. And maybe that's a problem, but that's I know, a, who, the high, problem. I know who, problem. who the highest paid guy is. And I, I think Fox's numbers statistically is the best player. But, you know, I, I think Rashawn Holmes would get some bo- votes in there. I think that Tyrese Halliburton would get some votes. I think that Harrison Barnes has moments where he would get some votes. Harrison a, was the best player on the team for about a month and a half. For Yeah, for the first couple of weeks of the season, for sure. No, no question asked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rashawn Holmes, for, for segments of the season, has been the best player on the team. So our overreactions, uh, let's just calm down, people. Yeah. Right. Just see, and I think he's also set people up for failure. And I I can bring this back to when we started doing this podcast and we were talking about expectations for the team and uh, kind of want to be delicate how I say this, but like, you know, I didn't expect him to be all that great. I'm not trying to like pat myself on the back, but you do end up with people who haven't seen it yet. And they all of a sudden go, Oh, they should be this. They should be better than this team. We should do this. And all that does is kind of set those fringe fans up to believe that and then ultimately go, oh, I'm so disappointed when it doesn't happen again, you know? And to me, that's so dangerous because at the end of the day, if you're the mindset of the organization and yeah, you want to sustain playoff success for years to come, if that ties into this year of making the playoffs and snapping this drought or even being in the play-in tournament, which again, the top 10 teams will do in the Western, or in the, in the Western Conference, um, that shouldn't be success, but it would be a step forward. And we can all agree on that. So if they fall short of that and you're, and you're, you know, you've got people out there saying that they should have this many wins, they should do this. And I get, I know those are people look too far into predicting, you know, win loss records. Will this be a playoff team? Should this team be better than this team? When you don't really, you haven't even played games yet. Like that sets those little viruses, if you will, in this, in the mind of like, well, they, I remember this person saying that they should be better than this team. This, this person said that they should be this type of team, a 45, 50 win team. And it's like, they haven't done that. And how long, why would this of all years be the one to, like, don't you have to kind of see it first? Like if you're, these people are the people I want to gamble with because they're morons. They're the ones that they're the ones that haven't seen it, but yet they're like, Oh, I'm hell bent. I understand that this is going to be, this is, this is my philosophy and why this is going to break. Why? Well, I haven't seen it, but these people are telling me, so I'm just going to go with it. They're the sucker in the room, Sean. Yeah. They are the sucker in the room. 
You're right. You want to gamble I, with those people. I do. I want to gamble with those people. But then like Dave will put something up that's like this and they engage in this and you'll see oh, a lot of people after three games, they're, they're thinking like how many times and we've talked about this. How many times do certain media will say, have they turned a corner? <laughs> have they have they started? To, it's like, no, this is still probably at best a 500 basketball team. Right. So you're going to get very much an inconsistent type that you just hope to see more consistent things over the course of the season, be it rebounding, be it defense, be it. Can they sustain 110 points a game? Can they, you know, whatever, whatever that may be. Can they keep their foot on the gas? Certain things like that. That's what you want to see the sustainable, uh, more consistent stuff from. And, and that should ultimately lead to maybe more consistent win streaks, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're having these conversations, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. All these people tend to pick on, they're going to pick Tyrese Evans or Jackie he did it again. Tyrese Halliburton, excuse me, over the course of, three games while De'Aaron Fox is out with COVID. I mean, De'Aaron Fox over the past two weeks has actually been really good. Yeah. Before getting COVID, he was actually really, really good. And the last player to have uh, 20 points and 10 assists three games in a row was actually De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. I mean, literally the last, the last one to do it was De'Aaron Fox. Um, Okay. So that's going to do it for that edition of the, the inaugural edition of, Tuesdays overreactions. Tuesdays overreactions should Sean also just Cunningham. be Tuesdays overreactions. You know, the segment that pisses off Sean Cunningham. That, that's, that's what right. it's going to be every week. <laughs> yeah. It's just like poke, poke, poke. <laughs> it's, it's just going to be me tearing out the little hair. Oh, no, what? No, this isn't it. This is stupid. What are we talking about? That's okay. So, it. so we're going to move on from Tuesdays overreactions to um, this, this other thing is an overreaction. I mean, we're going to handle this pretty quick. Rashawn Holmes has missed seven straight games with a lacerated eyeball. Ouch. This is not a standard injury that has a four to six week window. And to be honest with you, I think he's officially out at this point. I think it's 12 days and hmm. 12 got, days, 12 days, five games. Uh, no, seven, seven. seven. Oh, so maybe yeah. it's a, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so a couple of things, number one, there's no way to predict an injury like this. It's not a standard injury. So it is not a four to six week window for a, uh, a knee issue or a broken hand should be six to eight weeks. Like there are things that we know from watching professional sports. We know that when a guy tears his ACL in the NFL, he's gone for a year. We understand like every once in a while, someone comes back way early. But it's just basic. If we a guy gets a concussion, we can test it three days later, five days later, 12 days later. We can see where he's progressing, right? This is something that's different. Rashawn Holmes wants to be on the court so bad it's crazy because that's who he is. No one is more frustrated than you, including than him, including all of you fans that either have DFS, like daily family fantasy sports that are banking on him, or the folks out there that just can't figure out why Rashawn Holmes isn't playing yet. He will play when he can play. And I, I hate to see this because his mom got involved on Twitter because people are being incredibly insensitive. Like Rashawn Holmes is just hanging out doing nothing. Uh, he, he literally has a laceration on his eyeball. People. He had, a, down. Pr- he had a procedure the, uh, the next day, or maybe even that night, if I'm not mistaken, but that image of just seeing that big bandage that was around his eye. I mean, we're talking about an eye. You've only got two of those and you need those in basketball. And this you is need a guy those in life, Sean. 
Yeah. And, and this is a guy who, you know, he's gotten hit multiple times this year. I mean, I remember speaking to him at practice and this was probably almost two weeks after he got the eye contusion and the eye was still red, like in uh, his oh, right bad. eye was still red yeah, on that moment in that air. Um, so yeah, I, I, this is, I think people are, they just need to, you know, pump the brakes. It's day to day. Cause there's not really a fractured wrist. Like you said, there's not an ACL tear. You don't really know how it's going to respond. And, and I'm fully anticipating him to go back to the goggles that he had when he was young. Like this guy used to play with goggles before. So uh, hopefully he does to be able to protect himself and hopefully it doesn't affect his beautiful floater and push shot that he has. And, you know, hopefully it doesn't affect any of that. He's a pretty decent free throw shooter also. So maybe he'll do what the Horace Grant did when he would always like pull the goggles off, put them up on the forehead to shoot the free throws. Like maybe we'll see that, but uh, it's a delicate matter, man. And I know it is a day-to-day thing and people are, it's questionable every single day. Will Rashawn not only feel comfortable a, but can he see, can he, is there blurry vision? Is his vision impaired? Is it, is it something where if sweat gets in it and how is that going to affect it? You know, think consider that like if you have a procedure, when you have a laceration on your freaking eyeball, how does that heal? How does that, if you, what if you get sweat in there, is that going to damage anything? And I think these are a lot of the things that are kind of being dealt with. And uh, look, his mom is a doctor. So (laughs) if she tells me to pump the brakes, we're definitely pumping the brakes. I don't think she's a doctor in that kind of way, but I agree with you. But she's smarter uh, than me. Uh, yeah, either way, uh, people need to pump the brakes. But, uh, I mean, I remember uh, reading a story years ago. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wore the goggles because he was poked in the eyes so many times that his eyes stopped making fluid to lubricate his eyes. And mm. so he literally lives with a lifetime condition where his eyes don't, um, they don't create enough moisture. And so he has, he has problems. Um, so look, let's just back away. Um, also we're going to get to our, these are like secondary, the overreactions. Um, Sean, I I know you, you love like messing with me about this. I absolutely love the good people of Portugal, (laughs) Portugal, the man, James Ham. I love them. I love them. They're so incredibly fun. Um, there was a guy who literally, uh, said that, that if we didn't have assurances that Namias Keda was going to play on Sunday, um, that, that Portugal was going to invade Sacramento, uh, and, uh, they have 10 million people and oh, there's no. only 500,000 here and that we should be prepared. I thought it was hilarious. And he's going to make sure that Doug Christie understands the, you know, what the dilemma facing him, um, and, and to be honest with you, actually, it, it made me laugh. And I actually actually text Doug the exchange because it made me laugh so hard. And he found humor in it before the game. And, and I think that that's, that's a good thing. Um, Kata got to play. So Portugal, please don't invade Sacramento. Uh, and, and just so you know, Portugal, we're in the middle of a gigantic COVID outbreak. You probably don't want to come anywhere near here. Uh, but either way, uh, Kata got to play a couple of times. He got his first assist. He got his first uh, rebound. He has not scored yet. Got a block. Got a, it looked like two blocks. It should have he... been two blocks. Yeah, but yeah. He, he got a block. Um, I, I think the, the interesting thing about this, Sean, is uh, I I like the, the game. What was it when he got all this? Um, it was Friday, right? And who are they playing on Friday? The, the game's all running together at this point. There was this uh, San Antonio game? No, no, sorry. Uh, well, who was it? Who did they lose to on Friday? Um, either way, they Memphis. Uh, oh yeah, 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 Memphis, Memphis. Um, 
like he he got into that game um i knew that that game was going to be very difficult and was probably going to be a blowout so you have a choice as someone who's covered 12 seasons of Sacramento Kings basketball where the best season was 39 wins, but most seasons are between like 25 and 32, 33. Mm. You have a choice to either be negative and just start trashing the team. We've done that plenty of times already this season. When necessary. They, they didn't do anything that night that, that there was no way they could have stopped what was going to happen. They were, they just found out that half their players going to miss a game. They were hoping the NBA would cancel that game. So I shifted gears and went on to me as K to watch because I knew he was probably going to play. So it's either you be negative and horrible, or you, you focus on some of the cool things that are happening. And to be honest with you, this is the first time someone from Portugal's ever played in a basketball game in the NBA. It's amazing. It, it should be celebrated by an entire country. I think it's super cool. And I'm here for you, Portugal. I'm here for you. Uh, whether Sean is or not, he's anti-Portugal. I'm just. Oh, I'm you. not. I love Portugal. And, and, and I've never been there. I'd love to go. Uh, but I will I say this. I've been to Spain, but I haven't been I, to Portugal. I am so amused. I, I am so amused. Like James was like the proud dad waiting to get the moment. And <laughs> like, off the, like it was just great. Like I see all these Kata. Like every time I see a Kata tweet that comes from James, I just snicker. I think it's hilarious. Uh, I think it's awesome too. And I'm having a good time with it. And but but I, in fairness, like you do it because these, there's a lot of people who really, really care. And they and do, they care. They're up all night I understand. long waiting yeah. for it. And I, and I love it. Like wake up Portugal, you know, get up. He's, he's playing. It's happening. So it's almost like Jimmer watch all over again. Like, it is very, very similar to Jimmer watch. And then I'll tell you this, Portugal, you better not do what happened when Jimmer uh, left the Kings. When I lost 400 Twitter followers in one day. <laughs> That, that was an angry, like, man, I supported you guys. I, I snapped pictures of fans asking if he, you know, they can be your sister, his sister wives. Like I gave you good content for Jimmer for a long time. And then you just all abandoned me. Like I, you know, just brutal. They had no um, use for you. Yeah. They had no more use. Okay. Sean, we're going to end this, uh, this pod with the business of basketball. There it is. There Sean, it is. You went to the Chase Center. I did. I've been to the Chase Center for a couple of for a couple of games already. Um, I had, was that your first game there? That was my first event. Yeah, I, I I was there before it opened. I had a couple things that we did before it opened, but that was my first time, even as credentialed media, which I was not. But I, I haven't been there in the building as credentialed media, and uh, first time being in the building as with an event going on. Yep. And had a few takeaways. There's a lot of goods and there were some negatives there. And I would start off by saying, I know I always hear a lot of comparisons because it's obviously just, you know, down the road, but mm-hmm. between Golden One Center and Chase Center. And I think as we talked about in our last, I think it was our last podcast where we we're talking about things that we'd love to see, what be it in the rafters, yeah, decorations yeah. on the wall, like Chase Center definitely wins that. Like, Aside from having championship banners in the rafters. Like yeah, they do have championship saying. banners. That's, that's They've got true. those things. Yeah, they're um, fancy. But they're, it's very well decorated. And you see things from the history all over the place. And that's a huge positive. It's not sterile. It doesn't look like, frankly, Golden One Center does. Golden One Center has that sterile feel to it. So mm-hmm. they get a check mark there. Aesthetically, it's right on the water. I mean, this, this place is just gorgeous outside, right? Yep. But then the game experience itself, like... Sight lines. I took. I did a good job walking around uh, 
I think the concourses look fine. They're a little bit more narrow than I thought, but for the most part, they're really, really nice. I like these like portal entries for your various sections. Like that can be a little confusing if you're like, oh, I'm in section 108, which I was in last night. And it's like, well, how the hell do I get to 108? Like you have to find your portal. So there's like this little tunnel way to get to your section when they could just put like section 108, 109 on the other side, you'd be fine. Uh, so a little bit confusing there, but I, but sight lines, everything that you see around the arena are fabulous. The, the, you know me, James, I love the video board in Golden One Center, Chase Center, a little bit newer, a little bit bigger, a little longer. Uh, that thing's a freaking mothership. So I'll give that the, uh, and I think by the way, the Kings will one day have a better one because obviously you'll have to upgrade eventually 4k, all that thing. So um, there was that, but yeah, I, I was a little disappointed in the food. Food options were a little rough and price wise was about comparable, but the food was not quite good. I had a chicken sandwich, had some fries. Uh, a couple friends of mine had some options and neither one of us came out of it going, Oh, that was really good. No, the best thing was the drinks. The sound is better in Golden One Center, not as echoey. Chase Center is a little bit more echoey than I than what we were used to at Chase. So, or that we used to at Golden One Center. So, I definitely give it the advantage there. So, overall, I I think Sacramento you got a lot to be pleased with, and it does fall in line with the whole um, when people come to town and they try to compare it. A lot of people keep telling me they like they like Golden One Center better. Yeah, I like Golden One Center better. Um, you know, again, I, I think the biggest thing you, you're talking about the, uh, sort of the mezzanine level mm-hmm. and, and number one, it's not open like golden one center. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to get a beer, you can't see in, and, or if you're at a concert, you can't see, um, so it is closed in, it's a lot more narrow. So it's, you know, like when you're leaving golden one center, Versus when you're leaving Arco Arena and you got stuck in like a pile up outside your aisle and it's you're like you're like cattle being herded towards like three doors that are open. Yeah. That's just not what Gold One Center is. There's exits everywhere. There's so many ways to get outside and and so wide. Um, you know, I really think that that's brilliant the way that they designed it. I think they they took a lot of the design from Golden One Center when they were building Chase. Uh, it does have a big lower bowl like. Uh, like Golden One Center, although I think Golden One Center is still a still much the bigger bowl. Yeah, it's yeah, a much ten, bigger bowl. 10,500 in the lower bowl alone. Yeah, the upper bowl is sketch in Golden <laughs> One Center. But like, I don't even like walking up there. Like, ah, I feel like I'm going to fall off and land down on the court, uh, which I know would not happen. I would like land other places. Uh, I've been in the suites. The suites in Golden One Center are amazing, and the lounges are amazing as well. Um, and they have great sight lines and great views. I think Golden One Center, to me, like the big walkway is cool. The big glass doors is cool. Um, just the open air feel of it, just to me, it feels, uh, it just, it feels like something different, something that we haven't seen before, where I kind of feel like Chase Center, even though it's not their previous building and it's like 100 times nicer than their previous building, it still has this weird feel to it that is the same. It's almost like you're, you're like kind of sunken down in. And, and I, I just think it's weird that I feel that way when I'm there. And, and I'll tell you behind the scenes, like trying to get from point A to point B there is. Oh, it's impossible. It's, yeah. it's crazy. And, and yeah, I've heard that. I haven't been able to experience that part of it, but I will say this, like, and maybe you need a few years to get there, but there is development around Chase Center but it's a lot of residential. There's some other corporate stuff like old Navy has a corporate base, like right next to it. Yeah. And you don't have the whole like 
I mean, Doko is remarkable. I think it can be even better once Tom's Watch Bar opens up and you get some more of these like bars, restaurants, other stuff of that. Sean's excited about Tom's Watch Bar. Oh, I can't. I'm going to be like Norm from Cheers. I seriously, I'm going to have my own perch at Tom's Watch Bar, and that place better stay open late because I'm going to I'm going to frequent that place a lot. But yeah, like uh, between Tom's Watch Bar, like all these things that you have in Golden One Sauce right over there. You got Punch Bowl. You got Yard House. You have all these things. Like you don't really have that. At, at chase yet maybe i know there's some in walking distance there's a brewery that's down there by oracle park for the giants so mm-hmm. um yeah it, it's it's cool to see the development down there i like the waterfront i do there's a lot of stuff i do like about chase but i think you hit it right on the on the head james it's uh there, there's definitely some uh some some moments there but i, I can't i want to check out a concert there can't wait for that but yeah even from a sound thing that's i'm a big sound guy and uh, a lot more echoey in chase center than golden one okay and then um We'll, we'll go behind the scenes a little bit on this one. We're not going to expand out. We, we talked about maybe like talking about the best arena we've ever been to. We'll, we'll hit that another time. Um, but uh, there are two things that do separate uh, Chase Center. Number one, they have an ice cream machine for media. <laughs> I didn't see that. Uh, they do. They have a, a full like, you know, you can make yourself a sundae. Um, and you know, the food is, is comparable to what you're getting from golden one. Although I think that the warriors usually do like halftime hot dogs, uh, which is good. And, and then the other thing is inside of, uh, like there's these little pods, like they have the visiting media room. Like we have this little work room and then there's the, the regular media work room and they have so much media, more media than Sacramento does. So they, they kind of separate us, but in those rooms, we do have uh, little refrigerators with beer. Uh, mm. So post-game beer, they have a lock on the door until post-game, and then they pull a lock and we're allowed post-game beer. So, Sean, that brings me to the question, what's the best media food slash media experience that, oh. uh, yeah. Boy, that's you go first. That's tough. Oh my gosh. Go okay. Ahead. So, uh, when you're in Portland, um, the food is usually okay. Uh, it, it's not bad, but after the game, they always have a beer and wine attendant. A, a guy wheels in like this keg of beer and he has wine on it as well. And so they do serve beer and wine as you're doing your post game stuff. That to me is really cool. Uh, Staples center has uh they have their standard dinner that you eat which is i think it costs us seven or eight bucks there uh some places it's free there it's it's either seven or eight um but then when you uh like around the room they too have an ice cream machine they also have like a nacho bar you can make yourself chili cheese nachos and chili yep. dogs yep. Uh, they also have a refrigerator filled with sandwiches uh so you can do that um they have like a ton of drink options, including like some Frappuccino type things. Uh, so I think the food there is probably the best. Although I think it was, I think it was Utah where I went and they introduced us to Frank Frank's Red Hot. They had Frank's Red Hot on the table everywhere. And now Frank's Red Hot, I put on everything. You put that on everything. Yeah. What is the Eli Manning? I put that on everything. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, and I just imagine the average person listening to our podcast going, you spoiled media brats. Like, look at all this treatment that you get. <laughs> um, 
yeah, it's pretty, it, it can be pretty great from depending on which city you're at. I, I think you hit it right on the head, James. I, I, I think Staples to me is probably the best. Although, you know, I've been to Portland at times when they didn't have that wine and beer thing going on. Um, and for the record, for my ABC 10 folks, I don't drink on the job. I can't do it even afterwards. So, uh, yeah, they won't let me do it even afterwards, uh, right when it's over on the venue, on the premises. So I don't partake. But I will say um, the Staples setup is pretty great because even though the food might not be great, there's so many options. But I'm going to take it a step back outside of the NBA. Levi Stadium, buddy. Levi's stadium oh, is man. immaculate. That's, it's it's an it's adventure. not even fair. Yeah, it's not even fair, bro. <laughs> yeah, so 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 people know like when you're going to cover a, a one o'clock game, you got to get there like 9 30 10. The parking to get there is a nightmare, but then you have like field access, you have all these things that are happening. So they serve breakfast. You show up, there's breakfast, like a full breakfast. And then once a game starts, they clean that up. You get to halftime. There are hot dogs and chicken strips and all kinds of other stuff. You get to post game. They bring in pizzas and then they bring out all kinds of ice creams. Uh, yeah, it's that's a trip. Sean. It doesn't end. It doesn't end. And they're, they're, you can have like you can have taco bar. You can have they have like prime rib that they're serving. They have I mean, it's. Yes. It just depends on the day or the game. There's always some carving of a meat that they have. I'm like, what the hell is this? A this carving like, station. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this is unbelievable. And and I'm telling you, and maybe that's just, you know, I've been to, I've been to several other NFL venues, not a lot, not as much as the NBA. And certainly com- in comparison to, you know, what the Oakland Raiders had at the Coliseum. I mean, there's not even a comparison, but yeah, man, like Levi's just goes all out and they have incredible spread. And I'm just thinking to myself, this is so unnecessary. <laughs> like, yeah, this is where's a box lunch or something like that. Like, oh my God, this is like above and beyond. So that's the one that just leaps off the page for me. Yeah. And their media room, um, it, it's vast. Like they they must have like a couple of hundred seats. Again, yeah. it, it really does depend on like how much media covers you. And I think the Kings, the Kings have, uh, they do a good job. I mean, we don't have to pay for food, which is, which is good. It's not always great. Sometimes it's, it's really good. Sometimes it's not. Uh, we try not to complain too much. Never. They have an unlimited popcorn. Uh, they have the best cookies in the NBA. Uh, you can check with Kevin Arnovitz. will confirm that from ESPN. He tells us. Well yeah. The best cookies. Um, yeah. So they do take care of us. This is a random topic that just kind of happened. Uh, but still, I think it, it gives you a behind the scenes look. Most places do feed us because we're there for hours and hours, like a, a normal game day, like a basic game day is like four to bin, midnight at, at a minimum. But on days where they have shoot around, it starts at like 1045. So I leave my house at 930, 915, and I don't get home until almost one o'clock in the morning on a normal game. So it's it's a long day, Sean. It's a commitment. It is a commitment. A commitment to <laughs> mediocrity. <laughs> <laughs> we both have the same thought. It's not excellence. <laughs> All right. From it. Uh, Sean, do you have any final thoughts? Final thoughts. Um, yeah, I want to take it away from uh, basketball a bit. I know we've got another podcast before the holiday, but uh, one of the th- cool things about 
having a birthday around the holidays. It's like, it feels like everyone gets festive for your birthday. And it's like, oh no, it's still Christmas. So uh, yeah, I just love this time of year. I hate the fact it's going to rain. I know we need it, but like that's, there's a reason I live in California and I hate the rain. So uh, the weather's going to get crazy. You're probably going to have a white Christmas up in where you live. So get ready for that. But yeah, it is kind of festive. I, I like to see everyone in the holiday spirit. So yeah, I think that Wednesday game against the Clippers is going to be a fun atmosphere at Golden One Center. I really do. Um, because I think there's an appreciation of what some of these guys are going through right now. I really do. And I just feel like, um, especially so close to Christmas, I think that game's going to be a pretty electric atmosphere. Ooh, electric. And, and then I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to that Memphis game. Uh, on Sunday after Christmas, the 26th. Hopefully the Kings have some bodies back. That would be a great thing, especially after three days off. Um, so, yeah, there could be some fun moments there. John Morant's back for Memphis. That's going to be a fun game. I'll make the prediction. Um, Memphis played the Kings in the middle of a COVID outbreak. Uh, I'm going to guess that Memphis might be down a few players. See, you say that, and, and it has bare fruit. Like, that has happened with some of as you mentioned earlier in the show, but uh, I'm wondering about the, the Warriors. So you have Kata who goes down. Now, granted, these guys submit tests. They were, you know, Kata didn't have a, 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 a positive test when he played, obviously. But you saw Wiggins who went down before the game yep. for the Warriors. Bull. I mean, and you've got the Christmas games coming up, which which everyone's concerned about. That Warriors-Suns game to me is like a must-see game. Uh, and I'm hoping everybody is uh, as healthy as can be for that game because – now that the Kings have gone into Chase Center and possibly infected that place, <laughs> you know, hopefully we don't see any uh, any Warriors that are on the COVID list going into that game against Phoenix on Christmas Day. Sacramento Kings, NBA super spreaders. Um, all right, so th- I think that's going to do it for this dish- this edition of the Kings Beat podcast. Uh, make sure to give us a subscription here on YouTube channel uh, and give us a thumbs up on the youtube channel thumbs up Uh, means you really approve right yeah or is the subscription you really approve but the thumbs up is i will tolerate you no i think this the thumbs up actually helps with the algorithm oh yeah so it actually gets you more people that will organically see this which is good uh and and that's good so big shout out to my dudes at uh espn 1320 i've been on like not, I think last week, four days, because there's so much news and so much happening. Uh, so make sure to give my dudes a, a listen, uh, D'Lo and Casey over there. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the King's Beat. I uh, get a premium subscription because, uh, let's see, January 6th is a Thursday night from 530 to 7. We're going to do the second off-the-record King's Beat happy hour, which is usually fun. See Sean over there. like Can't wait. And I think we're going to get another guest to go with us because having, uh, having Damien Barling was spectacular on the first one. I thought it was good. It added a different element. Maybe we'll find someone else to add in. Mm. So, uh, but you do not get an invite to that unless you are a premium subscriber to the Kings beat. Uh, so everyone be safe. The, the COVID virus is out there right now. It's all around us. Mask up, be safe, be safe for your families. Have a good holiday. We'll see you on Thursday. Uh, but in case you missed that show, uh, you know we're uh, we're sending good thoughts to out to everyone and make sure everyone's healthy and has a, a great holiday season. So for Sean Cunningham from ABC Ten, which I always forget, I am okay. I am James Ham, your Kings Insider for ESPN thirteen twenty and the Kings Beat. We'll see you in a couple of days.